calls them to follow him. And it's from that point forward that their life really does change. Nothing is going to be the same for these guys moving forward. Everything will be different. And we, and we get in our minds when we read about the disciples what they're like after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, where Mark chapter 4 presents to us a glimpse of what life looks like for these men before they see everything that Jesus accomplished. Right? So look, read along with me as we read Mark chapter 4. Yeah, let's read 35 through 41 of Mark chapter 4. And pay attention, because these are men who have not experienced everything about Jesus yet. Okay? And that's going to be important. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 35. On that day, when the evening came, he said to them, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and wave, the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they began, became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, for those of us that live on planet Earth, I think that we could use two words to describe our existence living on this Earth. And those two words would be mostly harmless. When you think about existence on this planet and you think about everything that is going on in the grand scheme of things, I think you will agree with me that this planet is mostly harmless. And the people that live on this planet are mostly harmless. Some of you guys are looking at me like, you haven't lived on this earth long enough, Jeremy. Think about it. Just think about it for a second. Danger is not my middle name, but danger. Real or imaginary, really seem to just scream in our face trying to get our attention. That's all they want is for us to look at them and see how dangerous everything is. And we'll let them consume our focus. We'll let them, they'll cause us to lose sight of what life is really about. We will stress so much about the danger that we forget what the life that we're called to live is actually about. And when you start thinking about it in terms of the grandiose nature of the call of Jesus, anything else on this, in this world is mostly harmless. I think I've read somewhere, maybe you have too, if God is for us, who, who, who can stand against us? Right? And we, and we get so wrapped around the axles on anything and everything that gets thrown in our face. The disciples in Mark chapter 4, think about this for a second. They've experienced some of Jesus up to this point. Hey, some of them even made a living in boats. Okay? It's not like these guys had never set foot in a boat before. But, and it's not like these guys, I'm convinced it's not like these guys had never experienced a storm on the water before either. But what do they know about storms on the sea? They'll capsize boats. They probably knew people that died from storms that had come up while they were out. 
and they're in this boat and the winds start blowing and the boat starts filling. And what is their first reaction? And these guys are walking with Jesus. What is their first reaction? Well, they're just like Arthur Dent. Panic. And what do they say to the master? Do you guys notice what they said to the master? Master, what are you, what are you doing? Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're being destroyed? There's a sense of finality in, in the things that they're saying to Jesus here. They're like, man, we're going to die here, and here you are sleeping. Their first reaction is panic. And I guarantee you, they probably already experienced those things before. We go back to our scripture reading in Isaiah 41. We'll read the whole context here. Isaiah 41, we'll start in verse 10. Prophet writes, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but you will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand. Who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. The point is this, guys. If you are in God's hands, what is there to fear? Should there be fear if you are in God's hand? And so Jesus' question becomes quite poignant here, doesn't it? Because he says, why are you afraid? Why are you scared? Why are you so timid? Why are you so easily frightened? And the answer, life is scary, just seems kind of silly when you're sitting there with Jesus, doesn't it? Could you imagine Jesus' face if that's what the disciples had said to him? It's scary out here. <laughs> yeah, that's what life is, but it's mostly harmless. In Adams' novel, one of the great things that I really liked about it is he describes somebody who can stay in control of virtually any situation as somebody who knows where their towel is. He writes in the book, he says, any man who can hitch the length and breadth of the galaxy, rough it, slum it, struggle against terrible odds, win through and still knows where his towel is, is clearly a man to be reckoned with. Adams' point is it's all psychological. The world could be falling apart. The guide says, don't panic, just know where your towel is. And so here we see, as this storm comes up, the disciples completely forgetting where their towel is. And, and here we see Jesus being so calm, right? The master is calm in the face of all of this chaos, and I think it would be tempting for us to say, well, of course, Jeremy, of course he's calm. He's Jesus. Now, let's not forget. He's a man. He's tempted in all things as we are. Okay? He is prone to the same fear, prone to the same situational awareness that goes on with everything that's happening around him in the world, but yet here he is, calm as a, cu as a cucumber, cool as a cucumber, I should say. Not worried about anything, 
And the minute that we allow ourselves to get tempted to the point where we think, of course, he's going to deal with this perfectly because he's Jesus, is the minute that we lose sight and our vision becomes blurry of what reality actually is because Jesus is still teaching. He's still laying the footsteps out for us to follow in this situation. Because in all of life, in everything that comes up, here's the lesson I want you to take from Mark chapter 4. You ready? Don't panic. Don't panic. Because when you're walking with the master, there is nothing to panic about. There's more to life than what we can actually see with our limited physical vision. And there's no real reason to be easily frightened. This is one of Jesus' main talking points, right? I think I've mentioned to you before, the Sermon on the Mount. We'll go over to Matthew chapter 6 here in a second. But the Sermon on the Mount, I'm convinced, is that same message he was preaching everywhere that he went. When we read that he went into a village and began teaching, I think we can go back to Matthew 5 through 7. This is the message he's preaching in every village and every town. This is his core message that he's presenting to everyone as he's traveling around. And this is one of his main talking points. Look at it. He says in verse chapter 6, starting in 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And here's what I love about this. Jesus is not saying there won't be trouble. Jesus is not saying there won't be things that will vie for your attention and attempt to make you fearful and anxious and all of these things that are out there. He acknowledges that's the reality of life. He's not painting some blue skies and rainbow, rain, unicorn and glitter type story here. He's presenting real life. And he acknowledges that there's trouble every day. But if you're with the master, trouble takes a backseat on it. Any kind of trouble or things that are coming up, we just start to view as mostly harmless. Because we understand what reality is. We need not to make re the troubles that we come across in reality any bigger than what they already are. Because life is much more than food, the body more than clothing. 
In other words, physical existence does not equate to life's reality. I think that's something we struggle with. You agree or disagree? That we struggle with the truth that physical existence does not equate to life's reality. Here's a question. It's not in my notes. Here's a question. And I promised Evelyn I wouldn't preach very long. Here's a question. And this will be able to help you determine whether or not you understand the truth of what I just said about physical existence does not equate to life's reality. Does governmental, do governmental systems have any bearing on life as a Christian? Because if that's the case, there can't be any Christians in China, right? Does a person's economic status have any bearing on their life as a Christian? Because if that's the case, then we're all millionaires, right? Physical existence does not equate to the reality of life that Jesus came to teach us about and called us to live. That the reality in the Father's is found in the Father's kingdom. Seek it! Live it. And above all, don't panic. I think maybe sometimes we find our identity in anxiety and panic. And Jesus calls us to a much calmer life, a much better life. George's songs this morning were picked, I know, because he and I talked about it this last week, were picked around the idea of who Jesus is and who he is to us. He is meant to be the source of calm, the source of life, the blessing of forgiveness to those who will make the confession of him as, as Lord and be baptized, the guide in our lives, Master, Savior, Jesus. That he promises us a life that goes beyond the mere physical existence that we find ourselves living in, the, the different things that vie for our attention are nothing compared to the promise that he makes to us. And not just to us, but to any who would call upon his name. Amen. That's what life's reality is all about. We're going to stand and sing the song that George has selected for us. You may be experiencing trouble today. You may be having some trouble. Jesus admitted the reality of it. So we know it's there. So to try and hide it doesn't do us any good. To try and keep it to ourselves doesn't do us any good either, by the way. But to share it, to open it up, to let other people see the reality of what life looks like proves the message of Jesus' truth. To lean on your brothers and sisters for help and support, encouragement, prayers, this is that time, this is an opportunity for us to open our hearts to each other, to spend some time together. And it may be that you feel like your trouble is, is just too big and it's just too big of an experience for you to handle and you, you're not quite ready to let the body aware of it at this point. Understand that the elders are available afterward to have these conversations, to have these prayers with you, to seek, to counsel you in this. In fact, I know one of them is going to be back in this room this morning. 
Lean on their wisdom and experience and help that's provided to you. If you find yourself living a life of panic and anxiety, I'm going to tell you the number one source of calm for all of it is Jesus. That's not to say you're not going to have trouble with it every day, okay? Because that's a challenge that we're going to each face day by day. But the answer is still Jesus. If you're ready to become a Christian this morning, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. If you need the help of the body, whatever it is we can do for you, we encourage you. Make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.